Hello and welcome to podcast 289 of Five Star Potential, your weekly football manager podcast. I'm Matt and on this week's pod I'm joined by Dupe, Joe and the Irish one. Welcome gentlemen. Hello. 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 Sorry I've gone for the Irish one. Um, on best behaviour tonight. Exactly. Um, I'm, it's, it's a statement of fact. You are Irish and so therefore the Irish one. And you act <laughs> like a one year old. Something like that. Anyway, on this week's pod, we have a save update from the Irish one. Uh, he's he signed someone new, and it's quite interesting. It's a wonder kid from Croatia, oh, yes. I believe. Uh, so I'm looking forward to hearing more about Tony. And then we're looking towards career resurrections and redemption arcs in Football Manager after that. And there may well be some time for a quiz. Do we have a quiz? Probably. Uh, but without further ado, let's let's see what's going doon in Holland. Still or I should say Netherlands, Netherlands, to be correct. Netherlands. There is a difference, I believe. I should probably check that out. But I can never remember what it is. Like, it's it's that sort of thing that crops of, up every yeah. time there's a World Cup or European Championships or anything to do with the Netherlands. And I forget every time. It's something along I the lines of Holland, Holland is part, of, part it. of it. Yeah, like a section yeah. of it. I don't look at these things up. I think it's been a while since Apologies I talked about Apologies if anyone's safe. offended by it being called <laughs> Holland versus the Netherlands. I think this should, be, this should could be a new feature on the pod where we both ju- we all just have a guess at why something's called something. You know what I mean? If actually, without somebody looking it up and reasoning why. So that'd be good. Next really? week, we'll I mean, talk you about could, You mean famous. you look up the answers for the quiz every time anyway. Yeah, so. I'm really good at Googling, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> We might offend someone anyway, if we did that. It's, because, it's called the Netherlands because it fucking is, all right? <laughs> because I fucking said so. <laughs> Brexit means Brexit. Fuck it. Some, yeah. Uh, anyway, apart from tulips increasing in price and clog imports becoming more difficult post-Brexit, um, let's not mention that ever again. Mr. Madden. I don't know where you're getting your clogs from, Matt, but uh, I'll get you onto my clog guy. Uh, I think of it's course you have a clog guy. Of course, I have a clock guy. Um, the last time I Talk spoke to you about this, save, Matt, <laughs> I think, I think um, we had just been promoted the last time we spoke about it on the pod. Um, I've so that was after three seasons. So I completed season four, dropped a blog on that one, um, but I've actually completed a fifth season since then, um, which is where that uh, new signing has just come in. So I can give you a really quick run- rundown of season four. Um, first season back in the Eredivisie with the Harlem save. As you know, it was HFC Harlem who we'd started off with re- resurrecting them and um, took obviously three seasons to get them promoted. We've gone into the fourth season then. The big call out was we had a guy playing centre mid in attack. We talked about that role quite a lot. His name was Luciano Valente. We had him on loan from Groningen, who you know very well, Matt. Um, I didn't have enough money to sign him permanently, and they wouldn't loan him for a third season. Obviously, now we've gone up a division, so probably they're like, well, why would we? Um, so that was a big gap, because he had like, he scored like 28 goals across two seasons that we had him from the CM attack role, uh, and like 10, 12 assists. So we had to replace him, and we brought in a player who I had at Angers in my FM21 save, which is Theo Zidane, son of Zinedine. Um, very good player got him in a free transfer from the Real Madrid is it Castilla the Real Madrid C I think it's called yeah. Castilla um, so 
not in a, not in a like for like replacement in terms of role. So he he's a bit more of a playmaker. So um, kind of toyed between an AP and the CMA, kind of mixing it around. Um, got into his groove though. Great passer with the ball. Brilliant set pieces. Um, so he was really really good. Um, anything else we did in the same season? We had a, an affiliation with Feyenoord, so we got in a couple of young players from them. Um, one of which was a striker called Fabian Rust, and he had a cracking uh, second half of the season. Um, which I'll talk about. But the big call-out was our boy, Maurice Krattenmacher, who who Joe obviously became acquainted with in his save as well. First season back in the Eredivisie, and he's really the one kind of main player who's absolutely Eredivisie quality and beyond. Um, he, he's basically carried us. We kept playing him as an inside forward on the left on attack. Um, and he, I think by Christmas again, he was like 12, 12 goals, something like that. Um, we were hovering around mid-table by the time we kind of got to the turn of the year or past Christmas. It was at this point we got some bids in for Krattenmacher. We got a bid in from Bayern and from Milan. Both kind of small enough fees. I think Milan's was something like 2-3 million going up to 12. And Milan, um, that was Milan's one. Bayern's one was like 5 million going up to 11 or something. Pretty substantial money for us considering we paid like we paid like 800 grand in total. It was 400 up front and then 400 split over three seasons. Um, so the kind of, just like this was January, we were around 10th or 12th. So we're not really in trouble, not in a hurry to sell. So I was kind of a bit worried because you could see he wanted to go. I think it tells you, you know, very interested in speaking to such and such club. Um, in the end, I said, do you know what? Fuck it. I've got one season here in, that we're back in the Eredivisie. So we've rejected it. And he's obviously kicked off, as he does, uh, as most of them do. But we managed to kind of agree on what would be a respectable fee to accept. And he agreed on 15 million. Um, so we've gone right. He's happy enough with 15 million. We'll leave it at that and keep him till the end of the season. So um, we motored on through the season. And that's when that Fabian Rust chap came in uh, and really started to bang for us. He got like 12 goals in the second half of the season. Um, results were kind of up and down. We did the usual kind of February, March, losing a load of games on the trot. Um, and in the end, we finished 10th. Um, that Fabian Rustchap got the Young Player of the Year as well. And uh, overall 10th out of 18, not 20. But we'll take it. Mid-table, solid finish. Um, the one other call-out that happened, though, in that season, Matt, you remember we built the save around Ruud Hullet, um, you know, being the chairman, kind of buying, taking over the club that he started off his career with. He fucked off. Uh, <laughs> halfway through the season, there was a takeover rumour, and then within weeks... He was gone. Some other chap also called Rude came in and uh, he's abandoned ship. So um, it's an interesting one. I know we joke about the editor, but one of the things you can do in the editor is to, um, I can't remember the exact name of the setting, but it's the prevent takeovers. But uh, anyway, he's left, so it didn't work. Joe, you have a question, I'd say. I was just going to say about Kratzemacher because he's still at Salford in my save um, and he's top scorer in the championship. But mm. even better news than that, Richie Wellens just got sacked. So all's well with Salford. <laughs> yeah. All is well. <laughs> Richie Wellens is now my Jason Tindall. Yes. I like that. I'm so he, glad everyone else has them. We need a five star pod list of enemies. If you've watched if you've watched the Salford documentary, he's a bit of a wrong one in that. And then in the save, he was late an Orient manager and he was a bit of a tosser in the media to me. And then, then he got the job at Salford when I left. And now he's just been sacked. So, you know, you full circle karma, seconds. motherfucker. <laughs> Delighted for Richie. 
Richie and Jason. Um, so then what's next? Um, yeah, so we finish off that season four. The one thing I did notice, um, I was looking at some of the, the, the facts, I suppose, the stats. The average age of our team was 22 and the league average was 26. Um, we also had like, we've by far the smallest stadium. Our, our average attendance was three and a half thousand. That's filling out our three and a half thousand seater stadium versus IX 62,000. So there are the kind of focus areas going into the new season. We managed to convince the board to expand the stadium. It's actually, we're on the second round of it. So they agreed to go from three and a half to, I think it was six, and now they're pushing it up to eight. Um, so that's kind of a nice, kind of a slow build <laughs> is the best way to describe it. So to speed over then into the new season. So I've just finished season five, which is the second season back in um, in the league. We tried to bring in a couple of players, um, a bit kind of, I suppose, old, like I want to say more experienced players. One of the players I signed, um, I actually sent it to you lads on Discord, was he's a player that used to play for Roma or does play for Roma. Eldor Shamorodov, his name is. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have been too familiar with this player only for when we, we did a bi- that byline event a few weeks ago and I had Roma in a little kind of a competition and he was shite. Um, but he came up in a free transfer and he's pretty good for that level in Harlem. So we had signed him in January of the fifth season where, again, same story, we were kind of struggling a little bit, kind of in and around mid-table. He came in, came on as a sub in his first game because he was a little bit uh, getting back to fitness, scored a hat-trick in his first start and then he's out for the rest of the season. Um, he got injured for four months. So that's kind of um, a little story in itself of FM things gone in, well. the, in the latter half of the season. <laughs> gone very well. Um, but what we have been doing is kind of mixing that bit of experience with obviously the focus of the save is that whole idea of sexy football. Trying to really bring in players um, with very good technicals and good flair, vision and pace. So my attacking line now is starting to take on a nice shape. You won't know any of the, kind of the players. They're, most of them are real players. I got this guy, um, a Finnish player. His surname is Latin Mackey. Really, really random. Came from North Norgeland, though, in Denmark. Um, and he's had a really good start to uh, life in Harlem. He kind of plays as a, a winger on the right-hand side. Um, got a centre midfield, a, a proper centre midfield on attack called Ruiz. He's actually a new gen. He um, came from like random obscure place in Spain, but really, really good technicals. I'll be um, like passing 14 techniques, 16 off the ball, 14 vision, 14. Um, and he's really working out well. And then the other player to call out is another Nugent we picked up. And the reason that's relevant is his name is Emilio Tjarnberg. He came from another club in Holland. Um, but I recognize that name and I don't know why. Yeah, I, it's a funny one. He, he is a new gen because when I saw it, I was like, oh, I think I know that player. But then it turns out he's a new gen and I don't. He's Swedish, but he's played one season for us in Harlem. He didn't even I had bang. A very similar. Sorry to I think I had a very similar named Swedish player at Groningen. No, nah, it's when you was going uh, through your IKEA phase, mate. <laughs> still going through that IKEA phase, to be honest. But um, Yeah, so he, he's come in and um, he was going really well. And just to finish off on that point, I guess, he ended up um, starting kind of on the left for us and then eventually moving up front. The main reason for that is we did eventually get the bid for Krattenmacher. Um, so we were starting to get kind of like Newcastle were sniffing around him. Uh, Dortmund were mentioned. But then I got three random bids in. One was from a Russian club. Um, I can't remember the second one, but the club he's ended up joining was for 16 million and it was young boys in Switzerland. 
So we've ended up getting 16 million in the bank for Krattenmacher. It was hard to see him go, but he, he kind of wanted to. It was just strange in the end how we had bids from Milan and Bayern. And then um, he's ended up kind of going to Switzerland, which is a bit strange. So I don't know if there's been a little turn in game. Um, but yeah, off with him to Switzerland. 16 million profit in the bank. We'll take it. So it's fair to say you've had a bit of a Harlem shake up then. <laughs> it certainly is, Joe. I had to get it's, in there at some point. Yeah, I should have named the save of that. Uh, well, we're about to have a bit more shake-up. So anyway, we, we'll, where are we? Season five, we continue to do well. Again, it's the usual story. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. I came into February and March. Um, actually, you know, it was March, April and May. We won two games in the last 12. Um, so we, we had been up around six, um, kind of flirting with Europe. And then we won two games in the last 12 of that season. And we ended up finishing eighth. Um, the one positive is in the Dutch league, finishing eighth does get you a playoff for Europe. I think it's for a conference league place. Um, and that was the one I was playing while we were chatting, I think when we were recording last week. So we were all happy. We just got into the playoffs just about after that losing streak where we couldn't win a game, limped into the playoff and then got beaten 3-0 in the first leg at home and drew the second leg nil nil. So we missed out on Europe. Um, but that's okay. I think considering we're five seasons in, still a very small club, a very young um, team. I'm really enjoying it in terms of what we've been building, the type of football we've been playing, some of the clips I've got, some of the goals they've scored. So I think I think we've, we've not really had to bolster too much this season. So I think, um, you know, the squad is just going to be a year older, a bit more experienced, dynamics, um, tactical familiarity. I'm hoping we'll have a good season. Um, and obviously, Matt, you alluded to the player we just signed, Tony Magic. <laughs> A what Croatian a wonder kid. Um, I've not even played him yet, obviously, going into the new season. I'm still in the summer. He's likely going to be mixing between um, playing up front as an advanced forward or uh, an inside forward on the left again as part of that 4-3-3. Um, but I've put it, uh, his profile on Twitter. He looks quite good. Um, and again, just random young player from from Dynamo uh, Zag- Zagreb, Dynamo Zagreb. So looking forward to him uh, and seeing how he does. And the last thing that happened today is that Swedish guy, Tjernberg, a bid came in from PSG. They met his release clause of, I'm pretty sure it was 10.75 or 11.75. Um, so the board have obviously accepted it. And then interestingly, PSG came back and offered him to us on loan for the season. And I've never seen that in FM before. I know you can ask. Volunteering. They, vol- they volunteered loan. him to come back to us. So they're like, yeah, we'll give you 10, 11 million. And you can have him for a season. I don't know if anyone else has seen that, where they willingly offer him versus me asking. Not, I've never seen them offer yeah. it outright without you prompting it. So that's pretty cool. So we have him for another season. So yeah, I'm hoping for a big season. Um, see how that season goes. And that'll be six seasons. And then I'll have to evaluate what happens from there. Are we going to keep going to win the league? Or do I have a think about another save when the when the winter update comes at some point? Um, because like last year I only did one, we won't talk about the save, but I only did one save last year and, uh, I wouldn't mind getting two in this year for the value if I can. Well, uh, it seems like the actual sexy football part though, you've got that down now. Apart from, um, not winning games sometimes, but you know, yeah. Yeah, but that's more down to like quality of squad versus the opposition you're facing, mm. right? More than anything. Because I had that same issue at Groningen. You reach that sort of glass ceiling of 
quality of player that you have available to you versus the budget that you've got at your disposal. Because mm. there's obviously, when you're going up against the likes of Ajax, who constantly get Champions League football, have an enormous stadium that they always fill, it feels very much like an uphill struggle trying to compete against them. And you're lucky if you get a result, let alone that actually, you know, dethroning them, I guess. Um, which you can only really, it's only once you get on a level playing field with them, which, to be honest, you won't get until you get Champions League football anyway. Because of like your, that will probably be the thing that forces your stadium to be either move or at the very least expand. Because mm. I, I'm not sure what the league rules are in the Eredivisie, but I don't think there are any imposed within FM that means that your stadium has to be upgraded to a certain level before you're allowed to, or you have to like ground share until you meet that threshold or, yeah. of capacity and what have you. So um, it's it's very much an uphill struggle. And it's it's not, it's one of those really, it's like, a, uh, I think there's a proper duality to that situation. It's really frustrating when you know that you can't compete on a financial level and you have to work a work, work like, work magic elsewhere in the transfer window and pick up players for like forever knowing that like you've had you'll lose players quite quickly once they reach a threshold or you can't get players to sign contracts without minimum fees which always get met by the larger clubs and it's chump change to them but equally when you do manage to beat them the once a season or even get a draw it's so fulfilling when you actually manage to get that result because your backs are put against the wall so much throughout the the rest of the season, so there is that like I guess that bittersweetness that comes with it, and that's kind of where the allure of football manager I think gets most of us. Mm. It's I think if you win every match all the time, it does get to a point where it becomes too easy and you don't enjoy. It. Equally, if it's so hard, you really and you can't seem to find a win. Whatever you do, whoever you sign, and equally that can be soul-destroying. But when you've got that nice mixture of I'm struggling to beat the teams I should struggle, but equally I'm enjoying a bit of success against the teams in and around me, that's that nice level playing field that you can, you know, you can actually enjoy with a little bit of frustration, but not so much that you want to slam your face against a desk or something. I know, yeah. Like we've we've had one or two good results against PSV and IX, but they're by and by and large, like way ahead of the rest of us. Ajax this season have um, they've got Duranville, obviously uh, another player. Joe has and Dup added his save as well. I think they've yeah, Adeyemi for some reason has ended up in Ajax, and um, there was one other kind of pretty big name they had. But I say Adeyemi, Duranville, um, Alexis McAllister ended up there. Luca Pellegrini, so um, and our, our boy Gianluca Buzio actually, whom who we had in the Wonder Kid watch, he's ended Buzio. up there. So. Mm-hmm. Buzio. Um, so they're very hard to compete. In fairness, it is our highest, um, the highest uh, weekly wage in our team. There's about three players on it, thirteen and a half thousand per week, um, which is not a whole lot, as you can imagine. Versus about one player of Ajax, pretty much. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But to your point, you know that that good balance of a tough challenge, but a lot of satisfaction and enjoyment. I think it's uh, like I'm really enjoying it. I play fairly slow, like, what, what are we, five seasons done and it's nearly the end of February. So I guess we're four months into the FM 23 cycle. Um, so if I get six or seven out of it kind of in the next month, I think I'll be doing well. And I'll, I think and I'll we've got to that. track the progress of Tony. 
Um, I Tony think basically, magic. as long as he works out well for you and he doesn't get snapped up by someone else, I think you stick with it until you lose him at the very least. I think that's what you should do. That's my, that for gets, the memes alone. Gets my, well, yeah, for the memes, but also because, <laughs> like, I mean, with the with your save uh, with Angers, the you know you had lots of song titles with 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 Tony mm. Magic. You've got loads of song titles there as well. So I think you could riff, riff off yourself in a way. Anyway, enough about things in Netherlands or Holland, depending on which. Or both. Harlem. Whichever. Doesn't really matter. We'll move Shake. things on. Guido land. Guido. Uh, <laughs> Guido land. I definitely sound like something else, won't I? Steve land. <laughs> Steve. Uh, Steve. On to the, the main topic of this pod, which is career resurrections and redemption arcs. Now, this is something that I thought about whilst watching the football over the weekend. There have been quite a, a few relatively heavily publicised real-life versions of this this season. The likes of Marcus Rashford, who who seems to have... like He's in the form of his life quite literally at the moment and, and can't stop scoring. And also, uh, Eddie Howe has had a lot of success with primarily Joel Linton, but also just the majority of that team. He's you know They haven't recruited hugely but he somehow managed to make them into a, a team that's challenging for the Champions League spaces as long as the goalkeeper doesn't get sent off. Oh, um, no. <laughs> uh, sending smoke signals for the, the cup final. Um, but there, there are plenty of others. And this is the sort of uh, thing that I think most of us make our careers out of in Football Manager, we we find players that either other teams are stockpiling or just aren't performing well for whatever reason, and we think we can do a bit of a Sam Allardyce and turn their career around or give them an extra two seasons that maybe they weren't going to get um, because we are better than the AI or better than uh, our human counterparts if we're playing a network save. So uh, this is sort of... We'll we'll list a few uh, examples that we've had of ourselves over our FM careers, and then we'll share some tips on how to get the best out of those players when the AI doesn't seem to be able to, as well as moving on to other bits and pieces about uh, sort of maybe training and then contract negotiation tips when it comes to freeing those players of their shackles at clubs like. You know, your Chelsea's and things like that. So does anyone have any suggestions or any examples of players that they have helped resurrect the career of or equally given them an opportunity that they've just been dying out for? One that um, springs to mind in the Stoke save is Ethan Laird. Um, sitting in the reserves at Manchester United. Um, I needed a right back for Stoke. Bought him in for about five million. I'm now getting offers of like 30 million for him um <clears throat> which I want about I want another season out of him because the right back that I've got coming through just needs a little bit of development time before he's ready for first team football um but again it was like the opportunity you you go and look at these top teams and some of the quality that they've got just kind of sitting there where they've stockpiled them if you can get them in motivate them you know I think morale obviously is a big thing like when you're looking at training ratings and things like that you can tell when a when a player's happy, 
you get good good performances, good training. Um, and so he's been absolutely fantastic for me as, as a right back. I'm going to go to, yeah, I mean, I can echo what Joe was saying about how to get them motivated, but my example would be Haidara. I bought him in at London Monarchs, and I know, you know, MLS, but uh, he wasn't getting in at Leipzig. He just, he just didn't, didn't fit the bill. And I mean, highly rated player. Um, we brought him along. Absolutely. He went on a, a killer spell for us. Uh, and I, I do believe he went back. I can't remember which club it was, but I believe he went back to Germany uh, and uh, went on to greatness there. So, yeah, I think I think you're right, Joe. And also, just that giving them that playing time that they 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 thrive for is huge. And game time can develop players so so well. So yeah, you know, I was trying to rack my brains of players when Matt came up with this topic, and I've just thought then um, Scalvini, and I know he's obviously a wonder kid in FM. But he had been bought by Real Madrid, and Real Madrid hadn't played him. And then I bought him for Stoke, had him for a season. He won Young Player of the Year, and then Man United come in with a massive offer for him, so he's gone there. And now he's, you know, he's playing and challenging for a title at Manchester United. So you know he could have stopped developing, and he kind of, as I say, Real Madrid stockpiling defenders. I managed to swoop in and get him, um, and now he's, you know, he's playing top tier football, Champions League football. I think it's such it's. One of the most enjoyable parts of FM, though, when you when you sign a player, especially signing a player on a free or you know end of contract, and getting that season or two out of them, and then making a giant profit, like that's that's what it's all about, right? Even I suppose looking at this save, and at the beginning of the save, like zero cash, almost all the players we were signing were free transfers. Like the first big player we brought, the first good player we brought for us was this guy Shane Nunnally, came in uh, on a free um, a year and a half later, sold him for one and a half million. Signed a guy who I had had at Bologna in the past, a centre back, Gabriele Corbo. Signed him on a free. A season later, sold him for two million. Um, Connor Noss was an Irish chap we brought in. Signed him on a free. Sold him for two point eight million, I think. So that like that model is it's almost a save on ID in itself, um, where you're kind of saying right, I'm going to bring in maybe only free transfer players, get get as much out of them as you can. You know, give them that first team football that the AI wasn't giving them. You can always look at a role change or a position change as well. And then if they're young enough and if you can get them playing, yeah, you're probably going to make a profit, to, you know, turn them around in a year or two and even put that as a rule. Um, so you're just literally, literally raking in the millions. I had a very similar situation to what Joe had with uh, last year with uh, Sheshko, who I signed from PSG for Atletico for... I can't remember. I think it was around 40 million, which was quite a lot considering he was, I think he was 22, 23 at this point. So he'd sort of, I guess, missed out on his true development period, but he barely played throughout uh, his time at PSG. And they signed him the first season, I think. Uh, and because he'd barely played, he's kind of stagnated. Uh, he still improved a little bit and he was, he was, still classed as world class but seeing other people's versions of them in his in their saves uh, it was a bit disappointing to see that i actually got a kind of a a nuked version of him and he could have been amazing in comparison um but it was still nice to see the fact that i'd signed him like i i basically played him as a second fiddle to a an aging striker 
who then got injured and then and then Sheshko became so formidable with his form that he couldn't be dropped anymore and so he overtook him both in terms of goal scoring and appearances for that season uh, to the point where it led to um, the old boy retiring instead. So it, it, a, a bit of a, a double-edged sword there, but it is so so fulfilling when you actually get those those decisions right as well as you're actually giving that player an opportunity to actually play versus playing for the reserves if they're lucky yeah I'm going to go with another striker uh, Esposito over 1860 this year um, he had been loaned left right and centre loaned over to Anderlecht um, and he had not scored a goal came it to us in the Bundesliga 2 uh, and actually performed really, really well. Played a lot of games and scored a lot of goals. Uh, went back to Inter because it was only a loan deal. And he barely played for them. Um, I managed to pick him up on a free and we were already in the Bundesliga there. And uh, he fired us to three consecutive seasons. Well, sorry, four consecutive seasons of having a plus seven average rating for the season. Uh, turned his career around and went to, went to Stuttgart where he's been banging the goals in ever since. So we've got Got some examples there of, you know, picking players up the off the proverbial scrap heap, sort of. But what do we do once we sign them to bed them in and give them those opportunities? Now, I think we're all well versed in that players once they turn eighteen, the best thing for their attribute improvement is game time, and so not getting that is only going to impact them further. Is there anything else that we do aside from playing them to, and I know Joe, you alluded to sort of getting getting their happiness up um, and improving that to get the best out of them. But are there any other tips that we would, we could offer listeners? There's one that comes to mind as you say it, Matt. I'm pretty sure FM 13, maybe. Newcastle saved, um, surprise, surprise. There was a centre half called Raúl Albiol, who I think to this day is still at Villarreal. I'm kind of looking at Joe here. Easy. I know he was, um, and I think he's still playing alongside Pau Torres there. Um, at the time, he was fair. Like when you start in FM 13, I'm pretty sure he'd be at Real Madrid. Might not even be in the first team. A few seasons in, he he's not really gone anywhere, and he's a, he's a good centre half, and he was pretty good in that game. But he's got very little game time out of Madrid, so much so that they've released him. And at the time. I want to say Colaccini was uh, finishing up with me at Newcastle. Uh, if if I have the right timeline, I mix, mix up my Newcastle saves sometimes. Um, so I looked at Albiol, obviously as a centre-half option, but I looked at him straight away as, this is future captain material here. I actually brought him in to be captain, just the way the timing fell. So we were starting him straight away as a centre-half, um, but straight away put him as captain because his leadership was really, really good. And it's not often you bring in a player in first season kind of make them captain, but... That extra, I suppose, element of leadership, I think, played a part in him just kind of ramping up straight away. He ended up with me for the entirety of the save, easily 10 seasons, I think, um, captain throughout. And then he became assistant manager and a legend at the club, basically. So I think that helps. And even now, if I think about real life, you probably can see a bit more out of it, like the likes of, I don't know, maybe Shaka in, in a way, a much better player now. I know he's not captain anymore, but definitely more of a leader than he was and doing less stupid shit. And I think Arteta has... Definitely sat down with him to talk about the mental aspects of his game. Um, but I think that, yeah, that leadership, that captaincy definitely helped as a as a small thing. 
Um, for me, if you obviously summer transfers coming in, um, I do a lot of team bonding as part of my pre-season, um, just to try and get that there. I think when they're coming into the club, making sure you get the like someone to welcome them in as well, because you do get mm. that news item where it will say um, they've been impacted by the you know the welcoming period at the club. Uh, and then other than that, it's really you know if you look at the training advice you might get, making sure that they they're happy with their training. There's lots of little things you can do, yeah. Morale manager that we talk about quite a lot. Um, just keep an eye on the little the little hints and tips that you're getting around the player, and you can you can transfer the morale. Once the morale's up, you're going to get the best out of them. Joe, do you believe in bringing in a player or or um, a staff member, like you know the whole favourite kind of personnel thing? Yeah. The only time I've done it to a degree is when I've tried to be I'm trying to sign a player and I've mm. signed a favoured personnel to try and help yeah to then try and help get the top target and I've never done it to really help them settle, settle that I can remember um, but I mean when you join a team of Brazilians you know you don't need to <laughs> we're all friends here uh, I guess part of this is also then making sure things are right before you bring them in in that the contract is right and that the terms are correct. Because if you're bringing someone in on X contract and telling them that they're going to be playing all the games that there are, and then you end up not following through, it doesn't matter what you do to try and keep their happiness and morale as high as possible, they're always going to throw their toys out of the pram somewhat if you're not giving them what they were expecting in the first place. So when it comes to negotiating contracts for players that were unwanted by other clubs but you feel like you've got a use and now that can be younger players that have stagnated because they've not got game time or it could be players who are winding their careers down you know your typical old school Sam Allardyce signing the Fiando, Fernando Herreros Hieros even uh, Yuri Jorkaevs and JJ Akotchas even Campo <laughs> even Campo as well indeed who actually then got a subsequent move after Bolton as well at the age of 36 um, but enough about 2000s football uh, <laughs> um, but like it doesn't matter which what 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 do we do to make sure that you know we're we're setting our expectations for those players coming in and is there any way that we can mitigate any issues that come from contractual issues becoming actual problems before you sign them well, I suppose or before <clears throat> before they join just just kind of have that mentality of you know over over promise under deliver because if you're trying to sign them and they want a particular contract but it's not going to work you're literally just going to fuck yourself going forward mm-hmm. so you're much better off just being honest try and get them to accept kind of a lower playing time if that's what you're going to do and again, but if he's a player you really want, maybe you can suck it up and see. I mean, Dupe had it. I know Dupe had it in his save where he signed the player. He had a fairly low release clause in his contract, mm-hmm. and then just wouldn't re-sign a contract because he was wanted by other clubs. They weren't bidding for him, but they but they were interested, so he wouldn't sign a contract. And he spent a whole summer kind of going, "Well, he's going to go, he's going to go, he's going to go," and in the end, he didn't. So sometimes you can kind of. You can risk it, but it is a big risk. I mean, Scalvini, for me, for instance, 
he'd basically said wanted the training ground improved was in his contract and to be fair it wasn't until right near the end of the season he basically come up with that promise reminder going oh you haven't you haven't improved the uh, training facility man you know I, I try I, I then tried to re-sign him as a contract because I basically got the training approved um tried to re-sign his contract wouldn't do it Man United come in, paid the release clause, bosh, out he goes. So it's like, <clears throat> remind yourself of promises as well. Yeah, don't forget that that tab is there as well um, because it is so easy to just to kind of get into that groove of signing players and just ticking boxes. Yeah, you can it's, have this, you can have this. It's it's probably worth mentioning that it also depends on the resolution that you pay or the, the zoom level that you play on because if you go, if you zoom in the game too much, you lose that on the that home screen yeah, it's one of the first yeah. columns that goes so make sure you actually have visibility of the promises on your your season overview I'm, is probably I'm pretty sure there's a squad view for that where can you download oh, yeah. that though that'll be oh. fivestarpotential.com link will be in the description <laughs> I think as well Matt having you know when you manage a lot of smaller or lower league clubs sometimes you'll see a player and you're like oh yeah I would love to sign him and the fact that they'll talk to you rather than kind of flat out saying no, it, it's very easy to, to just go straight into negotiation. So the first page is where you're choosing like um, how much football they're going to play. And, you you know, it could be star player, important player, regular starter, I think, and so on. I think even um, SI re- kind of slightly revamped those over the last few seasons. I think the importance of them and what they mean means a lot more. And sometimes it's easy to just click whatever they've chosen. But in actual fact... It's worth a try to just kind of bring it down from, you know, regular starter to squad player from, you know, important just to, to start or whatever. The agent can play a part too, but often they say yes. I found that they, they don't mind changing that. Um, and I don't, you know, sometimes they'll say, oh, keep it as a stepping stone club or, you know, like Joe said, improve the facilities. You can kind of get by with those because it's going to cause more problems if you leave them as a star player and then you're just not, not starting them he's just going to kick off and it's going to start badly. And I've had that with some players who started badly in the past and within three months, four months, they're kicking off and you, and they're gone six months six months in. So definitely worth being a bit little, a bit tight and a bit mean with those negotiations. It's worth it. Okay, final point then. What about incentivized contracts? Especially, I, I guess this is more for, I mean, it can work for any player potentially, but it, I, I'm, I guess I'm aiming this more at older players. Uh, and for example, uh, you're trying to. Like, I take take your your situation, Mad, last season, mm. where uh, or la- in the last year's game where you were wanting to sign Jordan Henderson, and Chief. that the likelihood of you being able to sign him in his prime was minimal, especially once you, you know, you were down in the championship Uh, and he would, he was only going to, you know, he was on the decline by that point anyway. But um, if that you were presented with the opportunity to actually sign him, would you have considered like a, an incentivized contract one so you could afford it, but also to see if it could eke out those better performances. I think it would. I mean, it, it's an interesting one for a player in that role or in that position. I think s- striker is the way to go. M- my mind went straight to Andy Carroll there. I think he was on a paisy play contract there at least once recently. Um, well, he he was at Reading. For, yeah. Like he mm. he re-signed in the summer, but he was on a like a, a three month deal prior yeah. to that. I think he was on multiple three month deals. 
I think from an incentivization, even just to sign, it can be huge, right? Because if it's, if you're not planning to start a player, um, you, you kind of there's less minutes for them to earn those um, at, like stat based incentives. I remember Joe describing before how didn't you take off a player, Joe, because you didn't want him to meet a certain thing or something like that, like a goal oh, contribution like a, or oh mate, I've, uh, no, I, I normally <laughs> do it for the clean sheet um, bonus. Yeah, no, that was within that was that within Inter. Yeah, where he yeah, that was our, that was our network table, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, they were on like if if I conceded a goal, it fucking saved me like half a million pound a game. Yeah, yeah he used yeah, to yeah. take the goal. He used to do it, take the goalkeeper out at the end just so he conceded just a goal. Just concede a goal. It's good to lure them in. It could be imagine being that good at the FM. I you done, just who, do that. Who did I do recently? With the German fix. So I'd give them a massive kind of um, incentive like for every cap they got or something like that. No transfer. That was. So for their international caps, the international. they're German, so obviously not, doesn't count because they never get called up. Um, <laughs> if you've got an older player, so I had Nick Pope and somebody else, and it was basically if they played a certain number of games in that season, they'd get an automatic one-year extension. Bosh, straight into the under-21s. <laughs> not making that mistake. That is that is a very Blackburn circa, circa 2012 move when they... Uh, Sal, uh, Michelle Salga, Salgado was one game away from getting a contract in- extension and they just never played him again. Didn't it happen God. last year with Griezmann? No, I, like in the last year or so before like he signed. That was, what, that was time, game was time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He couldn't play more than, more than 69 minutes, minutes a game or something. He kept getting taken off in 59 minutes, yeah. yeah. No. So I think it definitely helps for incentivization, incentivization, like getting players to join, Matt, for sure, like those, um, the contractual add-ons, we'll call them. Um, because especially again, if you have low budget and your 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 wage is quite low, and again back to this Harlem save, I literally can't offer any more. Like I just it it won't allow me even if I have cash in the bank. There's only so much I can stretch the the slider to to extend the wage budget because of my because of the rules or whatever the max wage. So those add-ons are are definitely useful as well. Deep, you've had a lot of success with various add-ons and incentivizations in contracts do you have of the players that you've mentioned have any of those had like a positive impact on performances that you maybe don't think would have happened or at least like we'll take a, take any of those players but say one of them was particularly underperforming at his previous club have you that once you've brought him in and obviously he's on a, perhaps a, a slightly different contract to what he was before have you noticed a massive uptick in goals, assists, or just performances in general? I, I, I'm very much a big believer on the performance bonuses, Matt. Like the assist bonus, I, I bleat on about the assist bonus. Having a higher assist bonus and a goal bonus, and then uh, two, if you're paying two strikers, your strikers more in my mind, a striker's more likely to pass it across because they got a higher assist bonus. However, I've not seen. I can't. I have to be honest. I've not seen a, an upturn. Because of those, uh, I guess that would be a bit of a, a trial and error and not give it to them one year and then give it to them the next. But one thing I have found is that literally paying them extra to do what they're paid to do does incentivize them and they do start It's amazing doing that, things. isn't it? Money. I know. Like, Getting more go. money for stuff Here's that you're already doing. Grand, but you score, you get 15 grand. Um, yeah, I like to, I, and I, but I'm also a big believer of these older players getting getting the Michael Owen contract where it is just yeah yeah you're, you get four grand a week but if you play you get 50 um, and then just basically using them as a mentoring tool and not I did it with Coutinho actually I brought him in just to mentor 
uh, and I gave him a really bad wage, but I gave him a really high um, sell-on fee percentage. And I also gave him a really high uh, appearance bonus and assist bonus and goal bonus and never played him. I think he genuinely played <laughs> one game for us because we were short on players. But he did wonders for my, like, I had a, a squad that was average age of about 16. Um, most of them, their mums still bought their trousers. So, like, it was, it just made sense, you know. And sometimes it's just playing the system, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Don't hate the player, hate the game. Imagine that. Indeed. Fine words to live by, potentially. Anyway, uh, hopefully that has uh, provided you with some tips to use or consider things that maybe you haven't previously considered. Or maybe it's just given you an opportunity to go down memory lane and consider all of those players that you've saved from the FM scrap heap. Anyway, Mr. Madden, do you have a quiz? Yes. Oh, that that took you a long time to say long. yes. <laughs> Dupes already stopped recording. It's time for the quiz. Uh, I prepared a quiz a little bit on topic, Matt, because uh, sticking with the idea of redemption, I'm going to ask you for 10 players um, who basically have made a re-return or gone back to a club where they had previously made a name for themselves. So what I'll do is I'm going to give you the clubs they played for in between leaving a club and then going back to that club. And you can shout your name You're against each other in this one, lads. There's no more teamwork this week. I we should. I like, so I like shout your name. And, um, bonding. Yeah, no, no more of that bonding shit now. We're straight back to enemies again. So, yeah, I'll uh, tell you um, the, the, club they, the year they joined the club, and then I'll give you the clubs they played for in between, but I won't obviously name the club they then returned to. Good to go? Mm, I think so. So, first out of the block. So, this player joined the club in question in 1999 um sorry let me go back here that's definitely that's not the right one i've started on the wrong one let me start again <laughs> this <course>. player apologies <laughs> um this player in question uh joined said club in 2004 he then moved to shanghai shenhua and then had a spell at galatasaray before returning to the club in question 10 years later in 2014 dupe dupe Oscar? Incorrect. So on. Do that again. So he was at a club. So he, he joined the club in question in 2004. He left then to play at Shanghai Shenhua and Galatasaray. He then returned for a spell at said club 10 years later in 2014. So basically, club in question, then went to Shanghai in China, Galatasaray in Turkey and then returned to the club in 2014. Bloody hell. I'm sure this is a chat. We should work together on this one. I'm sure That's it's a, a Chelsea player. It feels very Chelsea. But the only one I can think of is Ramirez. But it's too early. Mm. And he went to... He did go to China, didn't he? Ramirez. Yeah. Galatasaray, though. That's the, that's the one that's throwing me. <sighs> Mad, we're working together on this one. No yeah, problem, I can see that. Say, Jibril Cissé? Not Jibril Cissé, no. So he must be one of the early people to go to China. Did they have the what money back did he go in 2004? What year did he go to China? So basically, he joined the club in question 2004 and left that club in 2012. 
spent a year in China and then a year in Turkey and then returned to that club for a year. See, the 2004 season, that was when Chelsea got all that money, which is why I'm thinking it's a Chelsea player. It's not, it can't be David Luiz. No. No, not David early. Luiz. Yarisic? Yarisic is not Yarisic. Yuri Yarisic, I remember him, it's not him. Can you give us a clue, Matt? I could, well, it's, more, it's more mainstream than Yuri Yarisic, I'll tell you that much. Um, I won't get, I think you're, you're on the right track anyway. Um, it's a striker, I'll give you that. Oh, mate, it's fucking Drogba, isn't it? It's fucking Drogba. <laughs> Didier Drogba. Uh, I obviously... forgot about the China thing for Drogba. Yeah. I, I remember. Okay, we're right with the Chelsea thing, though. You are indeed yeah. right with the Chelsea thing. That's what, so, that's what um, maybe I was going, who the fuck, who left? That, I couldn't remember him playing for Galatasaray. No. A, I think it was a brief spell. I don't even know if he did a full season. So it was Chelsea in 04, Shanghai in 2012, Galatasaray the year after, and then back to Chelsea for a spell in 2014. That was easy, lads. Question number two. <laughs> this player joined the club in question in 1999 before leaving to, jo- to play for Barcelona and then New York Red Bulls before returning to Arsenal. Henri. So, oh, Henri. Henri. Yeah. Thierry Henry is correct. Well done, lads. Another point on the board. That was an easier one. Next question. This player started at the club in question. Matt, you like this. In 1993... He then moved on to play for Leeds and Manchester City before returning to the club in question in 2006. So he joined, He started at the club in 1993, spent eight seasons before moving on to Leeds and then Manchester City and returned to the club in 2006. Robbie Fowler. Robbie Fowler is correct, Matthew. Well done. Good shout. Hallelujah. Weren't even now, there's a lot of people that won't, won't even get that reference. Do you want to enlighten them? Every time his name is mentioned on Soccer AM, they used to go, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because he was God. Those were the days, Soccer AM days. Next one. This player joined the club in question in 2001. Left to have spells at Portsmouth and Notts County before returning to the club in question in 2010. Saul Campbell. Saul Campbell is the correct answer. Well done, Matt. Yeah. Question number five. Glad we're working together. This player started at the club in question in 1998, and then left to have spells at Chelsea, Liverpool and Lille before returning in 2013. Joe Cole. Joe Cole is the shout. Well done, Matthew. Well done, Matt. West Ham legend. Next. This player joined the club in question in 1995. 4.75 million. He then left to have a fairly long spell at Atletico Madrid. 13 million. And then returned to the club in question. Incorrect. Who did you say? Jimmy Ford Hasselbank is what I said. What, what was the date, Matt, of when he come back? So he's joined the club in 1995, then left to have what I think is about a five to six year spell at Atletico Madrid, and then returned to that club in 2002. 
And what I'll tell you is, Matt was in the right ballpark. Chelsea striker. Not necessarily oh, Chelsea. Uh, Forlan? We'd been before so. that. Not Forlan. So he joined this club in 1995. I'll tell you, it's a Brazilian player. Then left that club for a spell at Atletico Madrid and then returned to the same club in 2002. Atletico. I'm just going to scroll through Twitter because this is way before my time, alright? He, I can tell you that this player is... One of, if not the first Brazilian to move to the Premier League in 1995. Oh, uh, Janinho. Janinho. Janinho, indeed. Yes, left Middlesbrough for a spell at Letting Madrid. They got 13 million for him and then they bought him back for 6 million. Absolute profit. What's up? Uh, next question. This player started at the club in question in 1996 before moving on to have spells at Arsenal and Real Madrid before returning. Anelka. Say again, Matthew. Anelka. Nicholas Anelka is the correct answer. Well done. Before returning in 2000 to PSG. Moving on, with three more to go. This player started at the club in question in 1998. He then had spells at QPR, Portsmouth, Aston Villa, Southampton. Liverpool and again at Portsmouth before returning to the club Dupe. he started at Dupe Crouch Peter Crouch is the correct answer well done that's a lot of clubs I keep forgetting how many clubs Peter Crouch has been at all clubs in Tiger Woods indeed fair play next less, less tampons though. back to the 90s <laughs> so this player started at the club in question in 1989 and then Fucking had hell a very successful spell at Blackburn Rovers before returning to the club that he started at to become the most expensive defender in English football. Graham Lasseau. Graham Lasseau. That one is for you, Matt. <laughs> Just for you in the 90s. To be fair, mate, they've all been fucking for him. Yeah. They've all been for Matt. Which player, 1965? <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot of older listeners. You might as well ask what fucking flowers he's got in his back garden next. I can if you want. Do you know the answer? Well, no. I mean, that would know. They're fresh. You're, you're not that much. You're not that much younger than I am, dude. Fuck. Off. You're not Dave. Yeah, I got a life. Yeah. You got players like Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah. David Luiz. Like, yeah. What, what do you want me to say? Like, what? He went from fucking like, Man, like Man United over and back. <laughs> Pogba. <laughs> Pogba. Yeah. No, I don't like Pogba. Rooney. I'll give you the last one, so let's. It's not a new one either, but I think... You're Irish and you got Thierry Henry in it. I mean, it's shocking, isn't it? <laughs> he's he's, Actually, only, that's he's the, half that's the Irish, second. isn't he? What, Thierry Henry is? <laughs> is he fuck? Who the fuck is Just this? Just his hand. So the final one of the round. So this Can't player wait. started at this club in 1980 and then had a spell <laughs> at Barcelona <laughs> and Bayern. So it's an English club, I'll throw you that. So he started an English club in 1980. Mark then Hughes. had spell up. Oh, Matt straight in with the Marcus. 
at Barcelona and Bayern before oh. returning to Man United. How old's this fucking quiz book? <laughs> quiz book in my head. It's Mark Hughes indeed, Matt. Well done. I love the idea of it. It's just I yeah, wasn't just... born in 1980, by the way. I will add that. So you say. I am no. I'm the younger of the older three. But y- y- you oh, know, you are, I went yeah. out and I chased girls and I, you know, and, and you just sat and read books. You still do, mate. Three o'clock every day. <laughs> <laughs> I have to chase my kids around the, the playground. It's, That's it's, what I mean. It's what you're referencing to there. Right, Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> the ones that says, Matt's a nonce. So, yeah, that one. Yeah. Uh, allegedly. Thanks. Timestamp. I mean, I've never been in the same room as Matt. With alleged said person. So I'm going to say it is allegedly. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I prefer not to speak. If I speak, I don't know I'm what to say. I don't know how to. I don't know how to respond. Exactly on the one hour mark. Deny that. these allegations. <laughs> is that what I'm supposed to say now? Are we? Is this just a test to make sure I edit this bit out? <laughs> Fifty nine minutes. Well, it's getting left in. <laughs> That's what she said. Yikes! The trouble that got me in twice. <laughs> My pull-out game's not very good. I'm going to pull it out. Should we call this? Indeed. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, I, I felt like that was a lot harder than, <laughs> than it should have been. Brilliant. If you need that on your CV, let me know. <laughs> Let's look at the voice clip somewhere. Uh, no, He's cutting away now. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to redo it again. Do the outro. Now. Right, thank you very much for that quiz, Mr. Madden. That does indeed bring us to the end of episode 289. You can find the links for each of us in the podcast description or by visiting fivestarpotential.com where you can find all our latest Football Manager content, including eight players who deserve upgrades in the upcoming FM23 winter update, as well as FM Stag's guest article for our Wonder Kid watch series, which profiles Venezuelan winger Yerson Cajon. Uh, and there's also the aforementioned... Uh, I forgot what I was going to say and it's not written down so that's bollocks that one uh, I was going to mention about the play, uh, the views uh, were, as, are also squad available views. the squad Plus views in fact every other kind of in-game view that you can possibly get uh, are available from 5starpotential.com we all use Joe's they're amazing so I suggest you do too if you aren't already using a custom view set 5 Star Potential is available on iTunes Spotify and most of the popular podcast apps and platforms with a new podcast released every week thank you all for listening there'll be more from us next week say goodbye folks goodbye folks goodbye folks